The Buddhism and Breath Summit took place online in 2021, with a group of researchers exploring Buddhist practices of working with the breath or the winds of the body. The event was co-hosted by me, Francis Garrett, and Pierce Salguero, and it was co-sponsored by the Robert H. N. Ho Family Foundation Center for Buddhist Studies at the University of Toronto and Jivaka.net. The following talk is entitled Winds in Traditional Thai Yoga, and it's delivered by David Wells, who's a longtime yoga therapist and practitioner of Thai massage. You can watch the video of this talk and find other resources from the Buddhism and Breath Summit at jivaka.net. That's J-I-V-A-K-A, jivaka.net, N-E-T. Welcome to Winds in Traditional Thai Yoga, or Lusiraton. This is for the Buddhism and Breast Summit, fall of 2021. My name is David Wells. I'm a yoga therapist, work in an integrated pain management clinic in upstate New York. So Lusidaton is the Thai name for what we might call traditional Thai yoga. Lusi is a yogi or an aesthetic hermit, comes from the Sanskrit uh, rishi. Dot is... Uh, to adjust or stretch, and dawn means your own body. So it means the yogi's self-adjusting exercises or stretching techniques. Um, it's a unique yoga system originating from Thailand. It consists of breathing, neuromuscular locks, chanting, visualization, meditation, self-massage, joint mobilization, poses, exercises. And it's what we could think of as a Buddhist yoga tradition, as opposed to a lot of the yoga traditions we find in the West nowadays, which are of a Hindu origin. But this is of a, a Buddhist origin. So if we imagine yoga as a large tree with many different branches, we have Indian Hatha yoga on the left, which most of us nowadays are familiar with. But there's also other yoga traditions that are not so well known, such as yoga traditions of Tibet, Nepal, Thailand, and Sri Lanka as well. So it was primarily Hindus, those of like the Nath, Dasnamis, and Ramanandis, orders of yogis, uh, who developed Indian Hatha yoga. But at the same time, alongside them, there were also Buddhist yoga masters known as Mahasiddhas who were developing unique yoga systems as well. And there was a lot of overlap between the Hindus and Buddhists as well. And so these Mahasiddha traditions are still alive in uh, Nepal and Tibet. So these are some images of uh, yoga techniques in India, Shiva in the full lotus pose. And then uh, yogis practicing tree poses down in South India. So these are all uh, yoga traditions uh, coming out of a Hindu tradition that we're looking at now. Um, also down in South India, the cow mouth or gomogasana, cow face pose. And then Matsendranath, who was a famous Hindu yoga, but also at Mahasiddha. So he's kind of a crossover character that's found in both the Hindu and then the Buddhist worlds. And then contemporary yogis today in the Hindu yoga tradition. Um, and then moving on to look at some images of yogis in Nepal found in traditional artwork. Uh, from a Nepali yoga manuscript I was able to photograph. And then from uh, temple artwork in Nepal, Hindu temples. And then contemporary yogis in Nepal, also within a Hindu tradition. Uh, but there were also these Buddha yoga traditions as well. 
Um, going back, who knows, maybe as far as 2,500 years ago to the time of the Buddha. Uh, we can see evidence of this in Nalanda University, an ancient Buddhist university in northeast India. This is from about 600 AD and a yoga using a strap within a, a Buddhist context at Nalanda University. Uh, this is images of the six Nawari Mahasiddhas. They were some of the great Buddhist yoga masters um, found in the Kathmandu Valley, which is in a temple in Kathmandu. And some detail of the Mahasiddha Buddhist yoga masters in Nepal. Uh, more images from the Pali artwork of Buddhist yoga masters. Um, and the Mahasiddha tradition is still very strong into Tibet. This is known as Minapa or Matsendranath in his Hindu incarnation, one of the uh, pioneers of yoga techniques. Um, Sarha, who was also a great Mahasiddha, Buddhist yoga master. Others such as Tilopa, uh, Naropa, Milarepa, all great uh, Tibetan yogis within a Buddhist tradition. And these techniques are well documented in uh, Lhasa Tibet. Behind the Potala Palace in Lhasa, Tibet, there is a lake, and on that lake sits a temple called an island. On the island sits a temple called the Lugang Temple. And if you go upstairs, there are these fabulous frescoes painted on the inside walls that have been documented by Dr. Ian Baker in his work, uh, The Dalai Lama's Secret Temple, Tantric Wall Paintings from Tibet. These were sort of a... Uh, an instruction manual for the Dalai Lamas he used to go up into these chambers and they could see the images and learn the techniques and practice right up in this temple up here. There are 21 images here. And one of my teachers and I have found that some of these techniques are very, very close to Thai yoga or Lusiraton techniques as they're practiced today. So there's a number of uh, things that point to the fact that the Thai tradition may be of Tibetan origin. Here is another uh, book work I got from Dr. Baker, um, showing two different yoga traditions, a Buddhist and a Bun yoga tradition, all put together in this fantastic mural. Uh, more images of uh, Tibetan yogis and yoginis and traditional artwork from Tibet. And now it's possible that some of these yogis or Lucy's traveled down the Himalayan foothills into Southeast Asia. Um, and about a thousand years ago, uh, Thailand wasn't really um, an entity as we know it today. It was several different kingdoms. And the far north of Thailand was the Lana Kingdom, which we can see up north in the area is what is today Chiang Mai. And a lot of that traditional knowledge from Tibet came down into Lana. Some of the knowledge of traditional medicine and uh, traditional yoga or Lusiraton came down into the northern part of Thailand. These are some images of yogis or Lucy's from Thailand in the traditional artwork. More yogis in the artwork. So in 1767, the Burmese invaded Thailand and they destroyed the ancient capital of Ayutthaya, uh, destroying buildings and libraries and burning buildings and books. It was kind of a disaster for the Thai culture. And so the Thais retreated south to what is today Bangkok, and they began a project to reconstruct their culture. 
a temple known as Wat Po was selected and it was remodeled to become sort of the cultural center of the Thai Renaissance. And the king uh, sent teams throughout the kingdom to gather what remained of traditional knowledge of literature, astrology, medicine, things like that. These are some of the temple grounds at Wat Po where you can see some of the Lucy Daton statues today. And he had scholars compile authoritative textbooks on the knowledge that was gathered together. Some of the medical knowledge was housed in these pavilions. There were over several hundred different of these marble tablets, which recorded medical theory, herbal formulas, and things like that, as well as massage charts. This was meant to be an open university with a library of stone. These are some of the massage charts from about 1836. Okay. And it is out of traditional time as uh, Thai yoga, Lucy Rathon, the traditional Thai massage was developed. The Lucy's were practicing these techniques of self-massage, exercises, poses, uh, different lines within the body. And later on, they adapted ways that they could be applied to other for their healing benefit, which is the origin of Thai massage. So originally, these techniques were done to oneself, the stretches, exercises, massage, and then it was developed into a system applied to other people, which is how Thai massage was developed. So here's some examples of how that process might have happened. We see on the left side a lucidaton stretch, and then to the right, we see how that stretch was modified into a technique that could be applied to other people. So lucidathlon is the root of the physical therapies in traditional Thai medicine. And if you practice it, it can give you a better understanding as a practitioner of traditional Thai massage. And these uh, traditions were developed with a traditional medical understanding. Theories of the elements, earth, water, fire, air, sometimes space, space ideas about the breath, the mind, winds or loam in Thai, and lines in Sen. Uh, these techniques were to help improve one's health, uh, meditation practice, uh, reduce the need for food and sleep, reduce comforting, reduce discomfort and suffering. These are some additional lucidathon techniques, rotating the hip joints and how it was adapted to Thai massage that can be applied to other people. Uh, massage for the head, do it yourself and apply it to other people. Arm massage in traditional artwork we can see and then how it could be applied to someone else in the modality of traditional Thai massage. Abdominal massage, doing to yourself in the Sirathon, or applying to someone else in Thai massage. Back massage, and back massage applies to someone else. Leg massage, to yourself, and then applying it to someone else. Leg extensions and massage, which you can apply to yourself or to other people. Foot massage as well. So in 1836, the king had uh, 80 different statues constructed depicting some of the lucidathon techniques that were known. And with each statue, there was a marble tablet. Upon the tablet was etched a poem. And the poems describe the techniques and describe the therapeutic benefits of the techniques. So this is a modern reproduction that was made within about 10 years of the original statues. We can see the statue showing the exercise and the tablet with the poem describing the techniques and the therapeutic benefits. And these statues are still preserved in Wat Po today. There's about 20 statues that still survive and they're displayed on these hermit's mountains, they call them 
These are the statues from 1836 that you can still see today. And some are actual named Lucy's, maybe historical characters or figures from mythology, and some of the therapeutic benefits from overall stiffness. Uh, this technique is very good for scapular, shoulder, upper back trouble, for stiff arms, hand and facial spasm, shoulder pain, and foot numbness due to vata. Vata is how the Thais pronounce an Ayurvedic term, vata. So we can see traditional medical terminology being used to describe the therapeutic benefits of these techniques in the poems. Convulsions due to vata and possibly tetanus. For chest compression due to vata. Headaches, dizziness, vomiting, and blackouts due to vata. For stiff legs and eliminate wind from the body and dust balance are all four elements. Again, we can see reference to traditional medical theory in the description of the therapeutic benefits of these techniques. Uh, additional statues from 1836. And then in 1838, the king commissioned the creation of this text. This is uh, preserved in the National Library. And this text features line drawings of the statues, as well as the poems describing the therapeutic benefits. So I commissioned an artist to recreate the images from the text with these line drawings that we're going to see. These almost exactly what is shown in the text, but modern drawings of some of the techniques in 1838. This is one of the closest things we have to original source text on Lucidaton. Some of these might be familiar to you if you're a practitioner of Indian Hatha Yoga, but done a slightly different way in Thailand, or maybe the breathing pattern is different. And then some Thai massage techniques thrown in as well. And we can also see it in uh, murals as well in traditional artwork. This is a temple. Uh, called Wat Machimawat, down in Songkla, far southern Thailand. And on the temple grounds is a pavilion, and inside the pavilion, high up on the walls, uh, is a mural depicting 40 of the techniques that we saw at Wat Po, along with the therapeutic benefits described in the poems underneath each image. So we can find Lusiraton not only in text, but also in statues, as well as artwork down here in southern Thailand. And this is a text that was actually drawn by an actual Lucy or a Thai yogi. One of the responsibilities of a Thai Lucy is that before they die, they need to either train a student or write a text, which will help to preserve their knowledge for future generations. So their knowledge is not lost when they die. So this is a text that was hand drawn by him based upon older texts. Showing some of the Lucy Dathon techniques drawn in uh, uh, color pencils. This is at the Thai Ministry of Public Health in Nontabari outside of Bangkok, and they've made an artificial mountain and made modern reproductions of some of those statues at Wat Po, which you can still see today. And they also have smaller statues inside at the Museum of Thai Medical History, 
depicting a few of the Sirathon techniques. This is the ancient city on the outskirts of Bangkok. And there is the sala or the pavilion of 80 yogis in which they've made 80 life-size statues depicting various Lusirathon techniques, which you can still see today. So Lusirathon or Tayoga has a very rich um, artistic heritage and statues, murals, texts as well. Uh, maybe beyond what I've been able to find um, in traditional um, Indian sources. Okay, so loam, as it's uh, known in Thai or wind, has a number of definitions. So for our purposes, as far as Lusirathon or Thai yoga, um, we'll think of it as one of the four elements. It could be earth, water, fire, or wind. Also the breath that enters and disappears into the heart or movement of any type. In traditional Thai medical theory, all movement is considered loam. It does not exactly correspond to Chinese chi or prana in Indian um, Ayurvedic theory or yoga theory. And there are two types of winds. You have gross winds, such as respiration, uh, movement and digestion tract, blood circulation, uh, muscle traction, nerve impulses, even hormones, transfer of things in and out of cells as well, electrical impulses as well. And there's also subtle winds or movements, which are the mind, consciousness, and emotions. And then sen or line is anything that's long, could be a wire, rope, pathway, column. In a medical theory or lucidathon, they can be blood vessels, ligaments, tendons, nerves, sometimes what's also called trenches, say areas between bones and muscles where you can go in and massage. Okay. So they're primarily physical pathways through which the wind flows. And again, they don't exactly correspond with Chinese meridians or Indian nadis. They're kind of a unique system. They could be tendons, ligaments, nerves, arteries, muscle structures, fascia structures, trenches between muscles, trenches between muscles and bones, things of that nature. And here are some charts depicting some of the gross sin that are used in traditional Thai massage. And then we can also see what are called wind gates, these little circular areas where a person can uh, stop and then restart the blood flow in traditional Thai massage practices. So in traditional Lusiraton, wind can be managed in a number of different ways. Some of them include breathing techniques, self-massage, joint mobilization, poses and exercises. So breath is considered to be the link between the subtle winds of the mind and the gross winds of the body. And as one of my teachers, the Lucy Devijo has stated, in Lucidathon in Buddhist medicine, one retains the inhaled breath while in the postures rather than exhaling. This helps keep the body strong and healthy. All the critically important structures of the physical body are in the center, spinal cord, inferior vena cava, heart, other organs. Many of these structures are channels or sen, proper breathing, bring the wind into these central channels, which maintains homeostasis, the life force. In terms of the subtle winds, this is your wisdom channel or wisdom central channel. When the winds enter or remain within the central channel, your wisdom grows. And we find almost identical concepts in uh, Tibetan yoga as well, trying to move the wind into the central channel, right at the center of the spinal column. Self-massage is also used in traditional 
Nusiratana, traditional Thai yoga. They have a sequence of full body self-massage, everything from head to foot. Um, it hasn't all been depicted in traditional artwork, but I will show you what I have found. And self-massage is another way you can maintain the smooth, natural flow of winds throughout the body. Or it can be used um, therapeutically. If there's a particular problem area, you can just focus on that particular problem area, working specific lines and channels and layers of the tissue uh, to restore healthy flow of wind or motion through the channels or the lines. So these are some depictions of self-massage and traditional artwork, uh, technique massaging the face and the base of the skull, the occiput, uh, techniques massaging under the chin, and the back of the neck, pressing the occiput. It's kind of like an ancient chiropractic self-adjustment technique for the neck, which is part of traditional Thai massage, or part of the Siraton self-massage. Shoulder massage, uh, pectoral massage, arm massage, uh, leg massage techniques, back massage, more leg massage techniques, even foot massage. Okay. Other ways that men is managed is what they call shaking the joints or joint mobilization. Uh, this is not very well depicted in the artwork. After years of searching, I only found a handful of images depicting uh, joint mobilization and traditional artwork. So if all you had was artwork, you would have a limited understanding of the full sequence of joint mobilization. But it's very comprehensive. It systematically loosens all the major joints uh, from the jaw all the way down to the toes. So this is from the mural down in Songkla, and to the left of the yogi's elbow, we can see in Thai that this technique is for bad wind in the neck. So this is depicting a sequence of neck mobilization exercises. So as city traffic can become jammed and congested in street intersections, wind can be stuck in our joints or the intersections of the bones. That's where the wind flows and it can get jammed up in the bones. So joint mobilizations are very good for helping to free up wind or motion that might be stagnant within the joints. And it's also said that the joint mobilization exercises will stimulate the production of synovial fluid and help to lubricate the joints and prevent wind from getting stuck in the first place. In addition to joint mobilization, there are hundreds and hundreds of different exercises and postures. Um, reminiscent of Indian Hatha Yoga asanas, some are very similar, some are quite unique, uh, often practiced in a slightly different pattern or maybe different variations that you wouldn't see in India or with different breathing practices. These were also methods by which we can restore the normal flow of wind or energy through the body. And it's said that these are like a preliminary practice and eventually at high levels, one can actually control the flow of wind through the body uh, simply by visualization and mentally. Uh, without even having to do physical postures, but beginners such as myself and others, uh, we still have to practice the postures to help get the wind moving. So now we're gonna look at a bunch of techniques from traditional Lusirata on a full body exercises that help to move the wind. There are very vigorous uh, running in place type exercises. A uh, series of standing forward bends, these are known as the elephant. A whole series of squatting exercises known as the frogs. Uh, the series of giants based upon the temple guardians who protect the temples. They can do uh, things such as decompressing the lumbar vertebrae, 
uh, pretending to hold a staff is very good for uh, strength building and they say for longevity as well. Uh, they do a series of twisting exercises. Uh, they also said to hold up the rooftops, which is one reason they came to be so strong. Uh, they even do a little dance too. Uh, there are very vigorous exercises when you jump up in air and land violently on the heels, which is said to drive the energy up the central channel right through the uh, center of the spinal column. Uh, another series of uh, squatting exercises. Lots of good forearm stretches. This is the seated lion technique. And then the standing lion. So sometimes you might have an exercise that may have a variation standing, seated, as well as lying down, done slightly differently. The archer, very vigorous standing full body exercise. Uh, the dagger, squatting up and down, very difficult technique here. A whole series of what we would call yogis or the butterflies pose, reminiscent of Banda Konasana in Indian Hatha Yoga, but with slight variations you wouldn't see in Indian Hatha Yoga. Uh, interesting forearm stretches as well. Loosening up the hips to help prepare one for more advanced techniques. Even more advanced hip mobilization and then super advanced hip mobilization. And these are to prepare oneself for what's called Katsuman Pech or the, the lotus pose in Indian Hatha Yoga, one of the classic meditation poses. So this is a very important technique in the Siddhartha as well. A series of forearm stretches. Uh, additional twisting techniques. Side bends. Uh, floating lotus. Developing enough strength in the hands that you can actually rise up on the fingertips. It said that this was one way to test aspiring young massage practitioners to demonstrate that they have enough strength in their hands to give a good massage. They should be able to push up on their fingertips in this technique. Uh, additional forearm stretches. Uh, this is called the deer. Uh, the crocodile. This looks fellow looks different from most of the Lucy's. He is actually a depiction of John the Baptist uh, practicing Lucidathon after a hard day's work of baptizing new Christians at the uh, River Jordan. I guess the Thais wanted to show that Lucidathon wasn't just for Thais or Buddhists, that anyone could practice it. And so they chose John the Baptist as being what would be the closest uh, counterpart in Christianity to a Lucy. And they dressed him up as uh, Protestant missionaries were looking in Thailand back in the 1830s. So that's how this uh, unusual image came to be. John the back just practicing the Siraton. Here's the crocodile technique. And it has several different variations. Uh, these are the Nagas or the serpents, kind of like the cobra in Indian yoga, but done, done differently. Uh, very good back strengthening exercises. This is similar to the Indian bow, but done slightly differently. And in Lucidathon, it's called the wheel. A whole series of forward bends. And then backward bends. This is the wisdom increasing pose. A series of reclining techniques as well. Uh, core strengthening exercises. Really good twist. I found very effective for lower back and hip pain. 
Um, rolling around to massage your back against the ground. Additional twists, more complicated twists we can practice as well. Um, a series of lunges. Additional lunges that can take you down into uh, the forward splits like this. Uh, techniques similar to what Indians might call a tree, but done in a slightly different manner. Different variations, twisting while you're in the technique. Bringing the foot up, maybe even eventually behind the back of the head. Um, hand to foot poses have very advanced variations in which you squat up and down holding this position. A very similar to the dancer in Indian yoga, but done slightly differently. And then some very advanced uh, squatting techniques as well. This was said to be good for hemoparalysis. And the floating lotus. Uh, this technique, pushing in the six directions, was a traditional way to finish up your Lucidaton sequence. So this is a, a typical ending to the sequence you might practice. Okay, so thank you very much for attending. And hopefully we can have a live component to this during the, uh, the seminar launch. So stay tuned for more details. You are welcome to email me for additional information. And there are a couple handouts that accompany this, a, a sample of a handbook on self-massage and joint mobilization, as well as um, some notes from the lecture I just gave you. So thank you very much for attending. And you're welcome to contact me if you have any questions in the future. Thank you.